Welcome to the Engineering Voices Podcast, the podcast by and about engineers and their profession. Here we explore how engineers invent, innovate, and inspire with contributions on design, innovation, engineering education, and practice, as well as careers for engineers and those aspiring to one day become one. I'm your host, Alex Fries, and today's episode is the second half of my discussion with Giovanni Greco, the Senior Technical Director of the New Shepherd Business Unit at Blue Origin. If you recall, in the previous episode, we had uh, a discussion on what Giovanni's career looked like. He had a very interesting career, ranging from planes, trains, automobiles, almost a variety of different vehicles, looking at optimization and, and, and sort of progressing to spaceflight, which is the position that he's held over the last 10 years or so. But we also chatted a lot about what, what, in his view, engineering innovation was, engineering design, what is important in a corporate environment, a corporate engineering environment, and really sort of some takeaways for aspiring and junior engineers. And um, here is that second half. So do you want to maybe discuss a little bit or explain how you approach engineering design and how do you innovate yeah, it's a uh, good question. So we, I would say more, more, all the products I've worked on have this need, right? It, it isn't just, um, you know, we have a beam and we know what the loads are and go design the beam that works for that, for that load. Um, we're, we're often in the case where we don't even know we need a beam. We certainly don't know what the loads are. Um, and we've got to go figure out what to do. <laughs> so you're starting with a blank sheet of paper and trying to figure out what what is the right approach. Um, and for each one of these plat, uh, industries, whether it's automobiles, vessels, you know, sea vessels or aircrafts or launch vehicles, you, you have to start with a vision of what the mission needs to be, what the outcome that you want when you're all done needs to be. And if you can start describing that, that vision and mission, then you can start decomposing those high-level requirements or those high-level desirements into technical uh, objectives, and as you start defining those technical objectives, then you can start um, putting design concepts together that that uh, you know solve the problem or solve the uh, or address the need, address the requirements. Um, and this is a field of engineering that that unfortunately doesn't always get the greatest attention. It's the idea of system engineering, so engineering a product. Uh, holistically with a set of requirements and decomposing those requirements down to the different disciplines or the different uh, subsystems of the product and then subsequently from subsystem requirements to component level requirements all the way down to you know piece part uh, requirements um, and, and engineers needing to be really good at that is kind of a, a key foundation many engineers are really good at engineering a part um, they maybe don't think consciously about the set of requirements they're engineering to, but nonetheless, they're engineering to requirements, right? Because if they're engineering to at least a mass target or a cost target or a space volume target uh, or a load carrying capacity target, you know, those are the simple requirements that a lot of engineers know about. Um, but you really need to think about all the requirements being incorporated in the design. So the first thing that you do is this design synthesis to get the requirements decomposed down to the the products that you're trying to make and then you start using um, you know various techniques some of it is uh, structured innovation strategies you know brainstorming or uh, collaborating with various um, 
different disciplines, you know, what we described earlier in our, in our talk with the automotive, maybe industrial design office and the structural or the design engineering teams and the manufacturing teams all collaborating to try and come up with what what is your next step? How do you evolve or how do you uh, create uh, within those constraints that you have in the company and with, with a vision of where you're trying to go? Um, and it's it's unstructured, which is very uncomfortable to many engineers, right? Because it's not, it's not a, there's no magic formula, there's no recipe or no algorithm that you can follow during that very early phase of innovation. Um, there's just human nature of being creative and saying, well, what if I put wings? What if I put canards? What if I put, you know, three wheels instead of four wheels? What if I put the two wheels in the front instead of the back? What if I put them in the back instead of the front? You know, you explore design concepts and you use your engineering tools to help you understand which concept maybe gets closer to meeting your final objectives and your final vision for the product and uh, and then you just keep iterating to get closer and closer and closer to your design requirements and then when you think you are close enough and this is the another challenge that a lot of engineers have is there's never it's never good enough um, you've got to you know engineer the product make the product and start testing or even uh, commercializing the product I'm, I'm I'm getting a lot of key points out of what you're just describing um... You, you mentioned so requirements staying in the requirement space as opposed to the solution space to innovate yeah. seems to be um and, and i'm certainly a big advocate of this is very very important because you just narrow your perspective if you start thinking solution before you've got your requirements and system requirements fully defined so i think um that's definitely um a, a big takeaway and it sounds like that's that's your philosophy too it's definitely my philosophy and you know the other thing I've always advocated for even for for team members that maybe sometimes have a challenge at staying in the innovation space you know they want to go right to the design space I've always one technique to try and get team members to uh, um, to think more creatively is to force the issue and say well you can't just bring me one solution you have to bring me three different solutions so you force the issue of saying you can't move forward until you bring me three solutions that solve the same problem. Um, and I found that three is sort of the magic number. If you bring two, then what they typically bring you is the solution they want and a solution that makes no sense. Uh, but if you ask for three, then they, they have to think about uh, something that, that you can't be two nonsensical solutions. Uh, so you have to bring at least another sensible solution. Uh, and the other sensible solution has to be different from the solution they may want. And so now they they force themselves to create. They force themselves to innovate. Um, and they grow. We grow as engineers. We grow as an engineering community when you force yourselves to step out of the box uh, and do something crazy. We, uh, if, if there are any of my students listening, we have not talked about this before. Because this is, uh, I, I teach the capstone sequence here at UMaine for the mechanical engineers, and and yeah. the three solutions is what we implement. Um, so we have a two oh, semester okay. sequence. We have the fall semester is the design, the the, the 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 conceptual and then detailed design, and then we have a manufacturing and a testing phase in the spring. And half so our students have to spend the first half of the first semester doing exactly that, and then coming up with three viable solutions, well founded, well justified, different solutions. Um, to en enforce exactly that, the innovation and staying staying in that 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 open mindset and and you know how can we how can we address this and not just you know 
redesign um, uh, one thing and then create three different variations of the same thing. So there really needs to be a well-justified um, open approach. So this is cool. This is so what I'm trying also trying to tap into is sort of your your you know what motivates you to be an engineer. Let's go back to this. It's you've you've spent your your professional life as an engineer. I know. I mean, I've, I've known you. You're you've always been passionate about about uh, vehicles, cars, and 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 optimizing performance and 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 you know a lot of attention to detail. What's your driver? What motivates you? What's what what's what's your passion on what you're doing? Uh, well, so part of that is what you were just saying, you know, the optimization and the efficiency of a design is, is one of our key motivators, right? Trying to use all our tools and knowledge that we have today to really become uh, elegant and efficient in, in engineering design. Uh, and we have more tools available today, not just on the analysis side, but even on the manufacturing side with additive manufacturing. So it's really opened up the space to how you design, what kinds of things you design, what kinds of features those those parts and products have, right? Because back in the day when you can only do castings and machine parts, for example, the parts have to be solid. Now with additive manufacturing, the parts don't have to be solid anymore. That's kind of interesting as a designer, right? What can you do with a manufacturing technique that, that allows you to design even the interior of the walls of, of the volume that you're designing your parts? So that innovation, that idea of bringing the tools that you have at your disposal to come up with elegant, efficient designs is very, very interesting. Um, the other aspect that motivates me is kind of the continued growth of, you know, team members and teams, right? And watching teams really um, grow into efficient, effective design organizations and engineering organizations. That's always been, um, it's become more of a passion of mine since since maybe starting at, uh, at C-Ray, right? And watching really what can we do as uh, more experienced engineers to really bring on the next generation and make them better than, than we are, um, both using the tools and innovation uh, for the products that are being made. And I think there's, there's lots of evidence that the future is very bright. You know, people are uh, coming out of school today is much less constrained, much more innovative than I think they, they ever have, which is really and, and you mentioned teamwork. Uh, that's yeah. a that's a biggie, and we always find some level of resistance towards aspiring engineers. You know, the focus very often is, um, you know, give me something to engineer, give me something to design, give me a product that I can assemble. And uh, we in in the in the academic environment, we we require a lot of teamwork. Um, just you, you know, maybe do you want to comment for maybe some student that's out there that's not quite as interested in teamwork and sort of tell them what industry looks like and how important all the skills that they acquire in these teamwork settings is for their future career? Yeah, I mean, uh, so that's an extraordinarily important, right? Teamwork, communication, you know, ability to uh, to have converse, productive technical conversations, to resolve conflicts, technical conflicts. Those are all kind of the, the cornerstones of being a successful engineer in, in uh, you know, large engineering, even moderately sized engineering organizations, maybe even more so in smaller engineering organizations, because you may be wearing lots of different hats in a smaller engineering organization, but no matter what, you will still have you know, many, uh, many other team members, many other folks working with you on the products. You know, none of these products, certainly none of the products I've been part of are simple enough that a singular person can do it all. So you have to have system engineers and manufacturing engineers and you know fluid systems engineers and structural engineers and mechanical engineers and all working together 
uh, in a way that makes the product, you know, kind of coherent. Uh, it has to work as a product at the end of the day as an assembly. And so, uh, so you have to be able to to work um, uh, with team members as a team. And what does it mean to work as a team? Well, it means that sometimes you have conflicts and you have uh, differences of opinions, but you need to find productive ways of resolving them, right? And so the tools that are at our disposal, what we talked about before, the idea of doing trait studies or doing concepts, you know, maybe three different ideas and then having some objective uh, measures of what makes each idea valuable, you know, which one is the lowest mass, which one is the lowest cost, which one is fastest to design. So you you come up with rankings or tools that help you discern between the three or four or five different approaches, which one you should move forward with. Uh, and even then you'll find that, you know, there's still two or three design that may be very close to a tie or the same. Uh, and so that's where the teamwork really comes in and say, okay, well, which one do we feel more conviction about? Which one do we really think has the, you know, aligns better with our future vision? Um, and those are non-technical aspects sometimes. And so, so technical team members need to become comfortable with making those strategic decisions or collaborating towards those strategic decisions. And you can't do that without, without a team. You can't. It's interpersonal skills and right. yeah, yeah, yeah. What, um, yeah, this is, this def, this definitely is a big one. Um, the, the, the teamwork aspect, we, we, we strongly emphasize that there's been a shift in, in higher education to very, very much um, enhance communication, presentation skills, be able to work. Um, uh, you mentioned brainstorming, you know, the the non-threatened um, sharing of ideas with, with enough crazy ideas without being judgmental. So really ingraining all that and understanding that this is the daily um, life of an engineering industry, communicating in this way and, and being able to be, handle themselves in, in, in such an environment, I think is, is, is critical. Um, and I'm going to start wrapping it up, but uh, I do have a couple more questions, little ones. Um, you know, what's the sort of on the, on what it feels like? So you mentioned your motivation, you discussed your motivation for engineering. You're certainly very passionate about what you're doing. What do you enjoy the least in your, in your day-to-day -day engineering job? And maybe as a follow-on question is how about work-life balance? How, how does that pan out in, uh, in, a, in, in an engineering management position, uh, director position? Well, I think, you know, so balancing or, or integrating uh, your work and your life in, together, you know, we, we talk a lot more recently across the industry, people are talking about it differently, right? Balance suggests that it's one or the other or that there's a shift. And, uh, I think what, what's true more today than ever before, just because of the tools we have at our disposal and how we're all connected all the time, is that you're really trying to figure out how to integrate the two more seamlessly, right? And so you might be working what feels like all the time, but you're not literally working every minute. You're just always available for work and always available for personal life. Um, and that's an interesting shift because there used to be a day where you go to work and you don't pay attention to anything that's happening at home. But Nowadays, you can be connected with things that are happening at home and be texting and messaging and getting things done at work for your home life, right? So it's, it's, it's about integration, not just balancing the two. So I think, I think that takes skill. I think it's something that with practice, everybody gets good at, um, gets better at, uh, and everybody has to find where that balance point, where that level of integration is comfortable and where it's too much one way or the other. I've always been a little bit more on the workaholic side in, in the old terminology. So 
Um, so I tend to, to balance uh, or to integrate more of my work into my personal life rather than the other way around. Um, but, you know, it's, it's what drives me. So, so everybody has the opportunity these days and the way corporations and uh, different teams are structured to do, to do either style. And both styles can be made to work. Two more questions. What do you do in that, um, on, on the life side of the work-life balance? What do you do for fun? I know you like flying and you're, you're, you're a pilot and you fly, but right, what, right. What, what are your, you know, how do you switch off? Well, so switching off for me is, uh, you know, the, kind of the three, well, three or four things that I do consistently, right? One of them, well, two of them, you know, because we've done them together. So uh, pilot and, and flying whenever I can. Uh, and when, whenever I'm not doing that, I'm probably, probably playing chess. Um, so, so if I'm not playing chess and if I'm not flying, then the other thing I'm doing is, you know, riding around in my motorcycle or, you know, we now have uh, a small place near the beach. So maybe going to the place at the beach and taking walks on the beach. Uh, maybe taking walks on the beach while I play chess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just to clarify that. So Giovanni is 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 a is extremely skilled at playing chess, and I don't think I've ever won against you. Um, so it's. Uh, I don't know. You, you got, got close. close. You got very close. Maybe we gotta restart that somehow. Do a remote chess uh, game or something like. Yeah, it's easier than ever nowadays. There's internet chess servers that are pretty fantastic worldwide. Uh, Chess, and there's been this sort of uh, interesting, uh, interesting growth. You know, it's unfortunate because of this pandemic that we're all going through. But but the resurgence of online chess has kind of gone stratospheric in the last six months um, because nobody can get together to actually play live games. You know, so the online world is really uh, is really shifted and grown tremendously. All right. Well, any last piece of advice that you'd have for the the senior in college um the first you know junior engineer in some in, in some organization any any you know what 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 are the what what should they take away from this conversation yeah so we talked a lot about a lot of them i think the two or three takeaways that i that i um hopefully people are, are hearing from this conversation uh, teamwork collaboration communication uh is, is extraordinarily important in order to be a successful uh, engineer in, in kind of today's product development and engineering organization. Having really good, solid foundations for your engineering, right? So I tell people all the time, you know, worry more about understanding, uh, deeply understanding things, you know, all the sheer moment diagrams for those structures engineers out there. If you think those are silly things that are just in the books, they're not. Uh, make sure you really know how to do those well. Uh, make sure that you really deeply understand how to uh, how to think about structural design and load distribution uh, and the, the physics of problems deeply. Uh, that will make you the kind of the best uh, engineer that you can be because most of the problems you will face in real industry uh, or in, in industry are going to be non-textbooks. They're not going to have a solution already. They're not going to be just, you know, here's the formula, just apply it. Uh, it's going to be, here's the problem, apply your principles and come up with a solution. Uh, so it's more about applying principles that's, that's really important. Um, and then the last thing I always talk about is that, you know, we live in an amazing uh, uh, kind of age in engineering where the tools we have at our disposal are better than they have ever been. 
Um, and so it's important to get that, that foundation that I talked about a second ago, but then leverage the tools that we have to, to your benefit to go fast, right? Because that's the other thing that's important in product development is, you know, certainly accuracy of engineering, but then speed of engineering, speed of product development is absolutely the, the make it or break it in most industries, right? In the area. Even in the industry we work in now in aerospace, with the competitive marketplace that it's going to be, it might be still measured in the five to ten year time frame, but speed to market is going to make the difference. You know, the, the folks that are first to the markets are going to reap the rewards, the largest rewards. Um, and so that's always true. So those three things are really, really important, right? The foundation, communication, uh, and making sure that you fully leverage all the tools that we have today. Yeah, in a, in a fast-paced environment. Yeah. Well, Gio, thank you so much. I think this is this is yeah, an excellent all. advice for for many at that early career stage or, or finishing up their education. I think this is this is fantastic. Um, so thank you so much. Um, you know, the weekend is just starting. Hopefully, you're going to have a few uh, interesting hours. Maybe the weather will clear up and you can go flying. And I hope so. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. As always, you can find more information on the show notes of this podcast. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a recommendation or comment. Thank you for listening in. This is Alex Free signing off until next time on Engineering Voices.